When I was in seminary, we had to read a book by Dr. Gail Ramshaw called Treasures Old and New, Images in the Lectionary. Now, it sounds like a boring book, but I promise you, it was not. It was challenging, but not because it was a difficult read. Rather, for the first time for many of us, myself included, it flipped the paradigm of how we understood the language, the connection of language to worship and symbols. Now, let me take the word darkness, for example. There are plenty of instances in Scripture where darkness is lifted up as the counter to light, or it's held as an example of evil. The Gospel of John teaches us that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Yet Dr. Ramshaw's book cautioned us against the heavy use of strong language around one word. For many people who identify as dark-skinned, they do not see the word's biblically negative connotation. And for the visually impaired who only see darkness, one must be sensitive so as not to connect their lack of sight to descriptions of evil. At the heart of it, this book encouraged us to think differently about the strong narrative surrounding words in Scripture. It helped us to read what is really in the text and consider it from a perspective not our own. And I believe as a pastor that that is a really good thing. I look out there today and I see many wonderful people. Some of you are longtime Salem members and some of you are first time visitors. All of you, every single person out there today, all of you have encountered God in your own unique way. All of you heard me read today's gospel text with different sets of ears. Luke's gospel may mean one thing to you, and it may mean something completely different to the person sitting next to you, and that's okay. Both of your respective understandings in life have some validity. All we can do is celebrate that the Holy Spirit is so wonderful in its inspiration as to champion different people. In considering the text of the Easter Gospel, one word I keep coming back to is empty. Empty is not used explicitly in today's readings, but it covers some of it, especially the, the description of the bodiless tomb where Jesus had laid. Empty does not always have the most positive of connotations. Our gas tank is empty. My heart is empty. And after this Holy Week, we have been emptied by the tragedies that we have observed both here in this place and across the world. But when the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee to behold his death saw an empty tomb on Easter Sunday, it did not lead to despair, nor did it lead to celebration. It led to confusion. They had no idea what they were viewing, and they needed God's messenger to explain it for them. The joy they would soon feel over the resurrected Christ did not immediately occur, and it was not earned in a cheap manner. Rather, it was an evolution of feeling, all over the word empty. Now, taken in a vacuum, today's gospel is a puzzling one. 
we get nothing besides the confusion Jesus' followers have over an empty tomb, followed by the amazement that Peter felt. It's meant to be uplifting at the end, but it's incomplete. What is so amazing about emptiness? We might not know, some of the disciples might not know, but Peter knows, because for all of his faults laid bare on Monday, Thursday, Peter has faith. All of those words Jesus talked about with the dying and the rising and the coming again, it's all making sense. And Some neurons are firing and something is working in Peter's brain. He can get excited over the emptiness because there's another word on his mind. Resurrection. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior. It's why churches from Baltimore to Bali and everywhere in between are packed today. And hey, I ain't mad at you. You come once or twice a year, you're in the right place both those days. Just remember that we are indeed open between Christmas and Easter. Resurrection is sometimes a good thing, sometimes not so much. I am certainly not enjoying the resurrection of certain racial rhetoric in these times. But I do enjoy the new life that springs out of what has been lost. We celebrate that new life today with the confession of an empty tomb, a healed body, and a promise kept. Christ has overcome the worst the world has to offer, the bitterness and anger over his ministry of love, the most painful punishment ever conceived, and even death, the one word that is supposed to be the final word. Resurrection is a beautiful thing today. And it should be celebrated not with peeps and eggs, but here, in this place, where resurrection is proclaimed every Sunday and fed at that table over there. Resurrection does not mean that we celebrate being sinners, or the pain that we feel over who and what has passed isn't real. Resurrection does not replace the old life. Resurrection simply means something new. And because of the living word that is Jesus Christ, we have in the holy word a means of resurrection. For God has promised us that because of our baptism, though we die in a death such as Jesus did, we will surely rise in a resurrection such as Jesus did. The emptiness we feel will be our relieved burden of our sinful nature. We will not be resurrected because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Those are words written clearly in scripture with no alternate meaning. And so we move forward together with Christ. The emptiness we may sometimes feel over what is lacking in our lives is replaced with faith. For we are now God's forgiven children. God has broken the last possible boundary that keeps us from God, and now all that's left is love. As we empty this place and fill the world with his gospel, let us be bold to proclaim that love. Amen.